And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Hope you had a great long weekend. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. In case you had forgotten, my name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. And there is Aaron McIntyre as well. I literally did almost forget your name there for a second, but I'm going to just chalk that up to old age. Indeed. Um, Here's what we have going on on today's show. Uh, We are going to get into some Pop Culture Tuesday at the very end of the program based on what I did for 12 hours yesterday. So I had not done, I, I, I used to do this over Christmas time annually. I hadn't had a chance to do it the last few years. So it's been like, I think it's 2018 was the last time I binged watched all of the Lord of the Rings movies. And people are asking, of course, you're watching the extended versions. Do you even Lord of the Rings, bro? I mean, there are no other versions. There's, those are the proper versions. And I, I binged watched them yesterday with my son. And I came away with some thoughts. And we will discuss that on Pop Culture Tuesday coming up later in the show. Uh, For fake news or not, I have a question I want to ask. All this kvetching about voter fraud and elections don't matter. How much of that really matters? How much of that matters to us? How much of this do we care? We're going to get into that with fake news or not, based on something I watched over the weekend as well. Anastasia will join us at the bottom of the hour. Julie Kelly of American Greatness will give us the latest update on the political persecutions of the January 6th prisoners. All that and more coming your way. But let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by, surprise, another GOP surrender. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has cut a deal with the White House to raise the debt ceiling by $4 trillion. The deal apparently includes no meaningful cuts, keeps the expansion of the IRS in place, and does nothing for funding of border security. McCarthy went on Fox to talk about the deal. We were able to do this when the president said he wasn't even going to talk to us. This is really a step in the right direction. It puts us a trajectory that's different. We put a statutory cap on only spending 1% for the next six years. So we let government grow, but at a slower rate. For posterity's sake, of course, let's listen to that last bit again. So we let government grow, but at a slower rate. GOP presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis slammed the deal. Well, prior to this deal, Kaylee, our country was careening towards bankruptcy. And after this deal, our country will still be careening towards bankruptcy. And to say you can do $4 trillion of increases in the next year and a half, I mean, that's a massive amount of spending. Uh, I think that we've gotten ourselves on a trajectory here really since March of 2020 uh, with some of the COVID spending. It totally reset the budget, and they're sticking with that. Uh, And I think that that's just going to be totally inadequate to get us in a better spot. Donald Trump has so far been mum about what he thinks. Speaking of Trump, he was busy this weekend facilitating another Live Golf event at one of his golf courses. If you're not familiar, the Live Tour is a Saudi-funded golf tour featuring some of the biggest names in the sport. Trump was asked whether he's concerned about taking money from the country that helped fund 9-11. 
For those of you listening, Trump just shrugs. Meanwhile, on Memorial Day, Ron DeSantis met with some of the families who lost loved ones on 9-11, spending a few hours listening to their concerns at the governor's mansion in Tallahassee. Donald Trump also did an about-face on Disney over the weekend, saying on Truth Social, quote, Disney has become a woke and disgusting shadow of its former self, with people actually hating it. Must go back to what it once was, or the market will do irreparable damage. This all happened during the governorship of Rob DeSanctimonious. Instead of complaining now for publicity reasons only, he should have stopped it a long ago. Would have been easy to do, still is. As a reminder, just about a month ago, Trump hint DeSantis from the left on Disney, saying his actions against the woke company were unnecessary and would result in Disney divesting from Florida. Texas Senator Ted Cruz took to Twitter yesterday to bemoan a new law in Uganda. Quote, this Uganda law is horrific and wrong. Any law criminalizing homosexuality or imposing the death penalty for aggravated homosexuality is grotesque and an abomination. All civilized nations should join together in condemning this human rights abuse. Hashtag LGBTQ. Cruz doubled down this morning, responding to a tweet critical of his from former Trump attorney Jenna Ellis. Jenna, not sure why you're defending this barbaric Ugandan law and imposes life imprisonment for consenting adults who engage in gay sex. That's ridiculous. You or I may not agree with their choices, but consenting adults should not go to jail for what they do in their own bedrooms. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is a blessed Aid Mubarak to all the Ugandan homos out there. Staying in Texas, the Texas House of Representatives voted to impeach Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton late last week over alleged ethical improprieties. Paxton will be immediately temporarily suspended from his job while the Texas Senate deliberates on whether to remove him. The House vote was 121 to 23 in favor of impeachment. This comes just days after Ken Paxton called on House Speaker Dade Phelan to resign after video caught him presiding over House business apparently very drunk. Iowa teachers will be banned from raising so-called gender identity and sexual orientation issues with students through grade six. And all books depicting sex acts will be removed from school libraries. That's under a new bill signed by Governor Kim Reynolds on Friday. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. Surviving World War II veteran recounts harrowing story of the lack of trans representation on D-Day. And that's what happened while we were away. Not parody. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. want to tell you about a brand new product from Jace Medical. It's the same company that brought you the Jace case to make sure that you have a venerable supply of the most trusted antibiotics out there should they decide to take them away from you like they did during a recent pandemic. Um, but now, how about a 12-month backup supply of your prescription medication just in case of a uh, Emergency. We'll go with that term, an emergency. This covers a whole host of medications, things from cholesterol, diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, even mental health and more. Absolutely something to make sure you have, because frankly, you just cannot trust the powers that be in the era in which we live. All right. If you want to take advantage of this and give your family that peace of mind, go to jacemedical.com and you should want to take advantage of this. J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. That's jacemedical.com. Enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. jacemedical.com. Enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. Coming up in today's overtime, we will be discussing my former boss's discussion that apparently everyone needed to know what he thought about the laws of Uganda. 
We will get into that in the overtime today because Todd and Aaron are determined for me to have literally no friends by the time that this career is over. And I don't have that many to begin with, so let's just go ahead and finish off the list. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash Dace is where you'll be able to watch me lose more friends later today. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Again, that is BlazeTV.com slash Dace, which is also where you can go to subscribe to Blaze TV for just $10 a month. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. There's really one issue I want to discuss and I want us to have a discussion about in our in our opening today. This is a note I received from Jennifer this morning. You think you all in power think and care about you think those in power think and care about us we are nothing once again we are overlooked used we mean nothing to those in power who continually continuously sell us out and burn us to maintain their power mccarthy equals biden as far as i'm concerned mccarthy has sold us out do you fundamentally disagree with a word from jennifer thus far no other than the part about selling us out i mean i think just once again, telling us who he always has been, but everything leading up to that. You mean, the, you mean the guy with the lifetime F Liberty score here at Conservative Review? Yeah, I don't Our think... Our own metric, um, you're shocked to see that's my, that when was, called upon the most, he voted according to his lifetime F yes. Liberty score. Is this your shock face? <clears throat> that's my point. Okay. Yes. Other than that, she's right. Yes. Okay. Jennifer follows up everything you just heard with this. Does Trump have his flaws? Of course, just like you, just like me. But he appears to be the only one, and she writes this in all caps, the only one willing to fight for the people. This entire budget was a joke. Yeah, I know. Invincible ignorance. This is the MSNBC flack or democrat operative last week yeah i just took my family to florida for spring break but it's a terrorist state and i don't want anything to do with it i have no idea how many of you or how many americans are earnestly interested in the seeking of truth i don't know I promise you, though, that I am going to find out. Because that's what we've always tried to do here. That's what we're currently doing here. And that's what we will do here for as long as I'm the one sitting in this chair. Which is why we're going to do an overtime. Likely critical. Of someone I adore who shifted his entire schedule around to come to my movie premiere. That's why we're going to do the overtime. Why? Because in the end, the truth is the prime directive, not our relationships. I didn't say relationships weren't important at all, but nothing matters more than the truth. And the truth is, I can't think of a single valid reason why anybody 
for any reason, would ever affirmatively hashtag LGBTQ on Twitter. No matter what it is. On an affirmative level, I can't imagine what it is that would cause you to to do that. Likewise, Kevin McCarthy is speaker because of Donald Trump. Donald Trump got on the phone, Jennifer, and all those like you. Repeatedly to get Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, and others to stand down when they opposed Kevin McCarthy as speaker. Donald Trump has still not said a word about this deal. Not a word. Nothing. Not a word. But this kind of mindset, it's not any different than McCain, Mitt Romney. It's not any different. I've done this show for 15 years, 500 times. The names change. It's just that the people don't. Suddenly Obamacare was great when it was called Romneycare. <clears throat> Suddenly tax-funded tax abortions were great when it was from Romney in Massachusetts. Suddenly we don't care about amnesty. John McCain's electable. So for me, I built a fairly, by God's grace, a fairly successful show bucking all of these trends and not giving in to any of them. So guess what I'm going to keep doing? Can you guess what I'm probably going to keep doing? More. I'm going to keep doing that. Yeah. And, and even if the show was threatened... What do you think I'd probably do? More. I would keep doing that because that's what I got into this business to do. To tell as much truth as I could know, I, was, I, I could learn, or the platform I had would permit. And then when it doesn't permit, you go somewhere else that does. That's the way of things. Kevin McCarthy, Jennifer, is speaker because of Donald Trump. Ronna McDaniel is head of the RNC because of Donald Trump. Susie Wiles, who basically runs the show at Mar-a-Lago, she whipped votes for Ronna McDaniel against the president's own attorney, Harmeet Dillon. I suppose I could be the one lying here. I mean, I'm... Verify that for yourself. But Kevin McCarthy is speaker because Donald Trump made it so. And that's why he hasn't said a word about this debt deal yet. If you're shocked by this, seek help. If, if you really are stunned that McCarthy did not hold the line, can I make sure to send you 
every bulk email there is seeking of money. I mean, I just predicted this in the Dace group on Friday. Mm-hmm. And my, I was concerned because we had to tape on Thursday to give you guys that day off. I was concerned that by the time it, ran, it was going to air, he would have already sold us out. I was concerned about that. Thankfully, he waited until later that evening. So we got that episode in. <laughs> so I got to be right about it. Um, here's why this happens. And, and let me tell you some things that you're hearing from colleagues of mine in this industry that are just not true. Kevin McCarthy is not dumb. The Republicans are not stupid. They didn't get outmaneuvered. We did. We did. This has gone on for how many years as well? The names change. The people don't. Sometimes their names are John Boehner, Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy. How about Bill Frist spent, what, four years as Senate Majority Leader? Two weeks ago, he was at the Capitol testifying for carbon taxes. He was the GOP Senate Majority Leader from... Red State, Tennessee. Yep. How about them apples, huh? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, <laughs> in many respects, the Republican Party is a, is a manifestation of who we are. We have been Esau's, only concerned about our, our feeding our bellies in the next election, and lost a generation as a result. Lost a generation as a result. And so we have no leverage with the Republican Party. In the end, in the end, they know they can virtually sell you out on anything and you'll support them. And that's why there are really no red states in red state America. That's why South Carolina sends so many losers to Washington. That's why Mississippi sucks. West Virginia, where the Democrats can't even win a precinct in a presidential election. The Democrat senators to the right of the Republican. The Alabama governor blaming the unjabbed. And as recently as February, they were still running ads from her Department of Health during college basketball games on national television to take that poison. Mike DeWine writing sonnets to covid I know I'm supposed to come on here and just and blame the Republicans, but they don't achieve power through osmosis. We don't demand anymore. Better than Hillary, better than the Democrats. Okay. Anybody that's done any mentoring, coaching, discipling, nurturing, child raising knows. If you read the standards down here, that's all you'll usually get. And so since we have allowed these people to violate us for decades, they have determined that they can follow me now, violate us for decades. And then in turn, when they never used the leverage they had, they were never going to use the leverage they had. 
They only have one piece of leverage, ending appropriations. They were never going to use that. So they're going to fund the 87,000 IRS agents that we voted to uh, because they told us they weren't going to fund them. They're going to fund the entire COVID monstrosity. Government spending has gone up 40% since COVID. They are not going to cut any of it. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, that's like $25 billion while raising it $4 trillion. Right away, you had some Trump shills going out talking about how a great deal, how, how much of a great deal this was, because this was Trump's boy. And then people like my buddy Chip and others spoke up to point out what a garbage deal that was, and suddenly they had to go silence or or go back to accu- accusing a a, a DeSantis uh, aide of injecting too much Botox. Yeah, that's cool. We're just not serious, and so we're represented by people who aren't serious, at least not serious about what we believe. Kevin McCarthy is not stupid. He's just a Republican. He was never going to fight for you because he never has. Remember last week? I did it too. Or two weeks ago, Adam Schiff should be expelled from Congress. And we're all like, yeah, yeah. Adam Schiff still in Congress? I believe so. Any machination been made to change that? No. No? None? Because they learned, these guys also learned from Trump. You can just tweet stuff have no follow through and we'll we just want the talking point and the grift and the clicks and nothing will need to happen nothing will need to be done this would all be true if ron DeSantis was not in the presidential race because it was all true before he was this would all be true if ron DeSantis had never been born because it's true even if he wasn't this has been going on for decades For a generation, all we have demanded is talking points, a seat at the table, access, and a banquet speaker. And that's all we've gotten. And outside of a few places like Florida, which is apparently terrible now, the country's gone. And we're only really debating whether you can bring it back. This is the least shocking news ever. If you want to be shocked by something, be shocked that they couldn't come up with a better talking point than, well, we are growing government, just not as much as we used to. Then again, they once jotted out, well, sometimes you have to suspend free market principles to save the free market. So, you know, they don't have the greatest writers over there at Team GOP, but they haven't needed them. They've just needed to have the magic R. And corporatist whore won the primary, so it was bestowed upon him the magic R. And all righteousness ensued. That's it. Just have to have the R. I mean, I've run into voters like Jennifer my entire career. That's why I stopped, that's why I stopped fighting in primaries. Voters like Jennifer, who I just sent Richie the email from, they're legion. She has all the right complaints, then says, but that's exactly why we need more of the person who did this to us. If, Kevin, if Trump didn't want Kevin McCarthy to be speaker, you think he'd be speaker right now? Nope, is the answer. But he did, so he is. If, Ron, if Trump didn't want Ronna McDaniel as head of the RNC, would she be head of the RNC right now? Nope, but he did, so she is.
there's just something about this current generation. Public education's terrible, but my kid's teacher would never, ever pedogram them. They say Congress sells us out, except for my guy, so keep reelecting him. It's weird. I don't even know what to do about it. I don't know what to think about it. What you know, and there's not a lot of money to be made to keep saying this year after year after year, but it's the truth year after year after year. We are our own worst enemies. It was never a negotiation. In any negotiation, leverage is required. This was just posturing. They were never going to use the leverage they had. Oh, they have mighty legis- mighty leverage. Defund. Default. Shutdown. They could have done all those things. They were never going to do them. Ever. So therefore, there was no leverage. I mean, if you can't outmaneuver a dementia patient with both diminishing mental capacity and popularity, you never intended to. You never intended to. This was all a show. That's all it was. WWE style, they got, you know, they went out back, got together when Vince McMahon scripted the outcome. And this is what you got. It was never good. And my favorite part of it is extending it to 2025. So they, so they surrendered any other leverage they might have the whole rest of this Congress. So all they have to do now is just posture. Go out there between now and the next election. We're pushing back the demonic horde as we gave up all the leverage that we were going to have to actually do substance, something substantive about it. Because they know most of us are like Jennifer. Yes, yeah, and that's exactly why we have to vote the people who did this to us. That's the only possible solution. Amnesty's terrible. Uh, We had an entire civil war on the right about that. How did we respond? We made John McCain the next presidential nominee. What do you got? Got anything for me? No. No? Okay. Uh, Obamacare. End of the republic as we know it. We had two massive Tea Party waves for in the midterm elections, correct? Yeah. So the only thing that could possibly be done was to nominate for president the guy who came up with the idea before Obama had it, Mitt Romney. We, we're just not serious. We've done this for decades. It was always going to turn out like this. When you give away... The cow, he ain't going to buy the milk. No, he's not putting a ring on it. Because you knock on the door of his room at 3 a.m. every time he beckons. All this talk about paradigm shifts, norms have been violated, people are louder. Nothing's changed. Nothing has. Nothing. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, and when you consider that that nothing changed after COVID, after tranny madness. I know. That, we just had the most pro-incumbent yeah. midterm election in recent memory yeah. after the last three years of hell that, that, that incumbent class yeah. put us I through. Know. We are in Isaiah 1. Where would you yet be struck? And I think the honest answer is a lot of places over and over again, because this is what we want. This is uh, 
Bible front to back. This is our faith. We, we think we've arrived. We think we're the people we've been waiting for. We think we had put Western civilization on autopilot. No, our sin is as grotesque and as self-indulgent as it's ever been. And we, we want this farce. That, that is the simple truth of it. It is our black hole. We've often said the phrase something, something along the lines of nefarious laughs. That, that may be true. Do you think it's also true that, you know, Almighty God might be laughing at us too? We are, and we'll be talking about this more on Theology Thursday in, in Tony Evans' book, Kingdom Politics. We are collectively, we have gotten too big for our britches, really. We, we, we really have. The arrogance that it possesses, that, 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 that must be possessed to think that, hey, uh, this guy, uh, four legs good, two legs, or four legs bad, two legs good, or two legs bad, four legs good, whatever. And that we can really just vote our way out of this by political maneuvering. That is the height. That is the height of arrogance. It, it's not going to take that. We're left at revival or bust. There's a blueprint for politically getting things done, pushing back against the forces of darkness, governing righteously. That is good. I think that honors God. But at the end of the day, we just suck. And we haven't admitted we have a problem yet, collectively. Julie Kelly from American Greatness will join us here shortly. A lot of us are starving for the emergence of the parallel economy. Unfortunately, that's going to take some time. Fortunately, though, one place where we are seeing it just so happens to be with a product all of us need to use nowadays are mobile phones and that's why you want to make the switch now to our friends over at patriot mobile for example if you are a member at patriot mobile you can switch networks there anytime yeah you move to a part of the town you live in or, or state where one signal is better than the other another part of the country where that's the case you can make that switch to any of those three major carriers anytime for free because of the outstanding customer service they have at patriot mobile who also doesn't take the profits you give them and then try to undermine your way of life. They support the same principles and values that you do as well. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch. They've got even better uh, savings for you as a way of saying thank you for your service. For the rest of us, you can get a free activation with the offer code Steve today. Free activation with the offer code Steve. When you head over to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, that's patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or just give them a call at 878-PATRIOT. Let's welcome in one of our favorites, Julie Kelly from American Greatness. It is good to be able to finally connect with you. You've been a bit busy, so trying to sync up our schedules the last couple of months has not been easy. Julie, how are you? I'm good. Well, you know, I'm not a big time movie producer like you are <laughs> doing these lowly Skype hits from my basement. But anyway, I've missed you guys. Thanks for having me back on. You, you bet. Uh, you bet. But you have been a, a watch woman on the wall for sure, where this political persecution of these January 6th prisoners has been concerned from the very beginning. 
I don't even know where to start. I mean, I'm, I am following all of the work that you are doing on a regular basis. I'm not even sure where to begin. Uh, what do you think? Is it the Oath Keepers trial and what went on there? What do you think is the place maybe where we need to start this conversation? I mean, I think the Oath Keepers uh, sentencing is a good one. Um, but look, just overall, Steve, this DOJ and Matthew Graves, the D.C. U.S. attorney, are setting extremely dangerous legal and judicial precedents to criminalize and punish political dissent. That is the entire pretext premise of the January 6th, what Matthew Graves calls capital siege investigation. We now have a court's imprimatur on using the the extremely rare charge of seditious conspiracy, a civil war era, era statute that was uh, an alternative to treason to charge those supporting the Confederacy. No American has ever been convicted of seditious conspiracy. The people who have been convicted of seditious conspiracy have been people like the blind sheik who bombed the World Trade Center in 1993, killed mm. six people, injured a thousand mm. more. That charge has been levied by Matthew Graves against nearly two dozen January Sixers, none of whom brought weapons to the Capitol. I think one or two are charged with interfering with police officers. They didn't vandalize anything. They didn't break, they, they did everything on social media. They were charged with this simply because they went to D.C. that day to oppose Joe Biden's election. So not only do you have the court's imprimatur on using seditious conspiracy to punish political dissidents in America, now you have a judge, in this case, Judge Ahmed Mehta, an Obama appointee. You'll notice you know, here, although Trump appointed judges and Republican judges are doing the same. Um, going along with DOJ's request to add terrorism enhancements at sentencing, basically designating these individuals who were convicted of seditious conspiracy by a D.C. jury, uh, basically designating them domestic terrorists and sentencing them accordingly. This is now the precedent that the Department of Justice has to use these same charges and sentences against people who protest a rigged election. Uh, and this is aimed right for 2024. Julie, we're about two and a half years since January 6th now. I mean, you are, you're the first person I know of that really began to, to question that narrative or at least ask it to explain itself. And I don't know anybody that has held more of a vigil over these various court proceedings on this issue than you have during that period of time. We've also seen video of some form of a riot that did take place, some form of an exchange that did take place with some private citizens and police at, who started it, what instigated it, but there was some form of an exchange. I bring all that up to ask this question. Over the course of the two and a half years that you have covered this, what would you say is the percentage of those who are suspected of, charged with actual violent acts? So we have data on this, Steve, and it's roughly about between 10 to 15 percent. That's it. Um, correct. Who are charged with assaulting police officers with some sort of weapon. Um, I believe I don't even think it's 10 percent of those. Um, now, there are probably a few hundred charged with assaulting or interfering with law enforcement. Um, but the video loop that you see over and over of protesters clashing and assaulting police officers, that's a very small percentage of the overall now more than a thousand defendants who face criminal charges. Most people have been charged with low level misdemeanors, including my personal favorite, parading in the Capitol, 
uh, which nonetheless is a federal offense and in some cases DOJ seeking prison time for uh, that petty offense. I think that's an important data point because I think that reinforces the premise of what you said a moment ago. It would be it would be it would be political retribution. Still not, you know, uh, prosecutorial um, uh, discernment, but par for the course politics when supporters that will never vote for you act out in a way that everyone that is somewhat reasonable can agree is is lawless and to make an example of punishing them so that you can then cynically try to label that group that votes the same way that they do as all the same. That's that's also the stuff of, you know, a, of a dissolving republic. But at least that would be one form of political um, machination to, mm-hmm. to so target people, though, that there are not even trumped up, pardon the pun, or suspected charges of committing violence would indicate something far more sinister for moving forward, a, a precedent far more sinister for moving forward from the same crowd that tells us speech is violence. That's right. Um, so today, Steve, and people can look at my work in American Greatness, amgreatness.com, but also on Twitter, I'm devoting the entire week to the disparities between how 2020 D.C. rioters have been treated by this Department of Justice, including Matthew Graves, who now holds that office. The disparity between how those rioters have been handled versus January 6th protesters. And especially this, the, the charges that came down very few federal charges, I will say, for any 2020 rioter across the country, let alone in Washington, D.C. I believe that there's probably a half a dozen. Um, but now we have more than a thousand January 6ers charged with federal crime with federal crimes. But the sentencing disparity is huge. And I'm devoting really most of this week on Twitter to posting things that Matthew Graves are asking for. These are leftover cases because most of the charges were dropped from 2020 versus the prison time he's asking for trespassers from January 6th. But to your point, Steve, every sentencing memo comes with this caveat that, yes, this person acted independently. Yes, our legal system demands that people are not convicted of, you know, they don't face charges or sentences, prison time because of what everyone else did. That's not the case here. Matthew Graves repeatedly makes the point that, yes, this person acted independently, but was part of a mob that attacked the Capitol, that participated in the Capitol siege, that's what he calls it, mm-hmm. and therefore should face extrajudicial punishment because they were part of a mob, mob he calls it, of people they didn't even know. This is this is the persecution of a group of political uh, adherents Trump supporters, Trump voters, that's never happened in American history. That's why I'm saying this is dangerous precedent setting territory. Since we've talked to you over the last, it's been a couple of months since we last talked to you. What can you give us a personal story or anecdote of a case that you have filed that really hit you on a, a human level, really personally bothered, disturbed you maybe a little bit more than the average political persecution, I guess, that you're covering right now? 
You know, that's such a great question, and I appreciate it. I really have to go back to when I first started covering it and people who were pleading guilty to obstruction, who were begging for mercy in court, nonetheless being sentenced to prison time. But I will tell you more recently, Steve, what really uh, sort of breaks my heart is talking to the parents of the January 6th defendants. I got a call from the mom of one of the Proud Boys who was convicted of seditious conspiracy. Now, their lives have been completely destroyed. This particular individual brought no weapon, did nothing violent, did not assault police officers convicted by a D.C. jury, highly biased jury of seditious conspiracy. And this defendant's mom took the time out to call me and thank me for my coverage. And I get that sort of grace from so many parents and I think that's the part that impacts me the most personally, Mm -hmm. Um, just how gracious they are, but also keeps motivating me because there are so few voices on the right covering this, reporting on this and defending. You don't have to defend everything that they did. But you certainly, we certainly um, have the responsibility to call out and expose this very dangerous precedent and this um, highly selective political prosecution. So I'm always grateful to you guys because you have helped cover my work on this from the very beginning when very few outlets would. So thank you as well. You're very welcome. I mean, thank you for the outstanding work that you have done. What can people in our audience do? Um, The only thing really they can do at this point is pressure Republican members of Congress to open up a separate investigation into January 6th. You know, we have the House Oversight Committee. Where's the rest of the footage that we were promised? Where's that at? Right. Um, I I believe that most of that will be coming out. We do need that footage out, but we also need to protect innocent people who are being hunted down by groups literally called the sedition hunters who will tag someone that hasn't been charged outside the building, plaster their their name all over social media and try to destroy them. So there has to be a balance there. But look, there's a lot more to this, Steve, than the video. Um, We also have body cam footage of police officers that need to be widely spread out. We need an investigation into the two police departments who responded that day, D.C. Metro and Capitol Police. But all of this needs to be separated, I believe, from weaponization or oversight committee. There's so much there, and the American people still have so many unanswered questions um, that a select committee that didn't do the work (laughs) that the original one did, the cover-up that that committee was, and really turn this into an important truth-finding mission. Because, Steve, lives are being destroyed, the precedent is being set, but January 6th will be a top political issue for Democrats in 2024. And the longer we allow these falsehoods to fester, the more that Democrats, including Joe Biden, will have the upper hand in um, convincing Republicans that this was some sort of an insurrection and that everyone from Donald Trump down to Republican lawmakers should pay the price for supporting it. What are you working on next? What's on the horizon with this story? Uh, what's on the horizon with this story, Steve, will be the criminal indictment of Donald Trump. Uh, that's what I'm preparing for, for January 6th. 
I believe that the convictions of seditious conspiracy for both Oath Keepers, but especially the Proud Boys earlier this month, bolster special counsel Jack Smith's uh, investigation. And I'm sure he's going to this D.C. grand jury with those guilty verdicts. And now the sentences, 18 years for Stuart Rhodes connecting both of those groups to Donald Trump and possibly seeking seditious conspiracy charge against Donald Trump. If he doesn't pursue seditious conspiracy, he will get a multi-count criminal indictment against Donald Trump for January 6th. I have no doubt about it. We've talked about this for mm-hmm. months, um, but that's coming for sure. What timetable do you think that happens, Julie? That's such a good question. I think he'll probably be indicted on the classified documents issue first and then January 6th. So uh, it could be sometime in June, uh, July, August. I can't see them dragging this much longer into the fall. But who knows? They have no guardrails, Steve, this Mm -hmm. Department of Justice and Jack Smith. So they're going to announce this indictment at the most politically opportune time for the Biden regime and uh, DOJ. I've got about 90 seconds for this last question. Do you believe that they would attempt to charge him and indefinitely detain him as they have done so many other January 6th defendants? Do you think they would try that? Um, yes, I do, unfortunately. and there, Which would probably uh, lead to some kind of a Supreme Court challenge then, I'm guessing, right? It would, immediately. You know, any ruling by a judge, and these judges are the real villains here, but there's case precedent to seek uh, pretrial detention, that means denying bail for defendants, not just charged of seditious conspiracy, charged with obstruction of an official proceeding, which he will definitely get that count. So think about that, Steve. You could have this ruthless, bloodthirsty DOJ, this highly partisan Jack Smith, who no one's seen in eight months, um, who's interrogated everyone from maids at Mar-a-Lago to Vice President Michael Pence, um, and seeking pretrial detention for the former president of the United States. And there's, we have now case precedent, January 6th, for a judge to, uh, to consent to keeping him behind bars, awaiting trial. It's great work. It just doesn't um, probably feel like the most rewarding most days, Julie. Thank you very much, though, for your willingness to do it. It has truly been a service uh, to the Republic. God bless you. Always good to see you. All right, thank you. You too. Thanks for all you guys do too, Steve. You bet. Thank you. All right, gentlemen, your thoughts. You know, she she said the the American people are waiting to know, and I think Julie said that in the sense of an American people, you know, historically who we're supposed to be as citizens. But this is what makes Julie's work all the more, because she knows that what she said there isn't actually... The American people either don't know or don't care about most of this. And the fact that Julie continues just to do this work because it's the right thing to do, it's what a citizen and a journalist by the true definition of the term, would have done. I, when she said that, it made me sad because I, she keeps trying to sp- breathe life by speaking truth into things where if she looks to her left and her right, she knows people just don't care about justice anymore. Aaron? That is maybe one of the most depressing things that has been said on the show this year, and that's saying something. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, we, as citizens of this country, and I'm speaking collectively, if you're listening to this show, you're tuned in and engaged at a level that the vast majority of your countrymen are not. But we, the citizens of this country, 
really just do care more about, hey, as long as I get to go home to my American dream on um, you know, on Shady Lane and my two-car garage and my 65-inch TV in the basement, and I get to watch baseball or the NBA playoffs tonight, as long as I get that, as long as I get that dope hit, I couldn't care less about any of these things. That's the reality of what we are up against. Hmm. Hour two is next. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing us steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, and Instagram. You can also find me on TikTok over there as well if you want to help make sure the Chinese have every last piece of information about you that they probably already do. And you can find me on Truth Social, but you got to really look hard there, at Real Steve Days to find me on Truth Social. We would like for you uh, to find out uh, how to give us a five-star review if you've yet to do this. So many of you have, but there's a few we're thinking that probably have yet to do this. If you like the show, please consider doing it. Thank you to each and every one of you whom already have. You can also hit subscribe or if you're listening via iTunes, the follow button. Those things help our show as well. And we want to thank everybody that's done that too. So thank Thanks for each and every one of those. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. If you are looking for alternatives to government school indoctrination this fall, and if you're not, why? If you are looking, however, um, you can maybe look no further than our friends at Freedom Project Academy. I've seen firsthand how these guys operate. The people like Dr. Duke Pesta, who helped establish this school, we were fighting together against Common Core back in the day. That's how we got to know each other. Uh, My own son Noah was enrolled for a couple of years at Freedom Project Academy, so I got a chance to see how they operate firsthand, which is why I would highly recommend that you check it out as well. Built on Judeo-Christian values and a classical curriculum, what does that mean? It means you'll be taught how to think, not what to think. You'll be taught mastery of subject matter that actually matters, not how to be mastered um, so that you can become a subject. Uh, If you want to learn more information, go to Freedom4, F-O-R, freedom4school.com. Get a free information packet now. But if you've already gotten that packet, you were mulling it over, and now you're thinking, you know what, I'm in. You can get 10% off your tuition right now when you enroll today at freedomforschool.com. Once again, that is freedomforschool.com. And let's welcome in my oldest daughter, Anastasia. Good to see you, Princess. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Dad? I'm doing okay. So what do we got this week? Really quick, it is actually really hard to find you on Truth Social. I'm not. I'm, I got I'm one not, I'm and I looked up, you. Not. I know. And I looked you and I thought, oh, maybe he just deleted it, his thing because I could not find you at all. I even had when they launched the website, someone had taken my name, Steve Days. I was going to say, I found that, yeah, too. Yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give me my name back. The uncontexted Steve Dace, like the meme account and everything, yeah. that popped up right away, and I was like, I had oh. My, 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 oh, I didn't have him. He did this for me without asking. My buddy, Congressman Chip Roy, reached out to his former colleague, Congressman Devin Nunez, who runs Truth Social, to personally ask him if he would, they would give me my name back. They still wouldn't do it. Wow. Yeah. So... Will the real Steve Dace please stand up? Indeed. I I may be the only man in America. Stop and think about it. How many people are simultaneously 
censored on social media by Mark Zuckerberg and Donald Trump. It's, it's not a long gift. list. <laughs> well, yeah, that's also why you guys don't make more money. But I guess I'm going to take that as a compliment, right? <laughs> All right, so what do you got for us this week? So um, I completely, so I, Stephen and I, my husband and I, we were watching Michael Knowles last night. And he did this on his show. And I was like, I should bring this over to here. So this is a complete and total copy because I thought it was funny. But he did... So his producers would read him like Gen Z terms and he would have to try to guess what that means and okay. use it in a sentence. Okay. So I've got, so I thought that might be fun to kind of see what, if you guys know what these mean or if you think. Now you would think Aaron would have the advantage here closer to Gen Z, but Todd and I are raising Gen Z kids. So that may even out the odds here. So yeah, no, I feel like maybe Aaron has a better shot. That's what I was yeah. going to ask. I was I am, like, I'm hip and with it. Okay, let's get going. <laughs> let's get started. Okay? All right, let's go. So right. number one is the word riz. Never heard of it. I've never heard that. <laughs> Love it. I hope I heard. I hope I know nothing. Guess. I uh, guess no, no what one do you is, guys No one has ever said that's riz to me. <laughs> that once you know the definition, oh, that's gonna be so funny that you just said that. Um, I love that. Oh gosh. <laughs> do we or have I any feel like guesses? I just stepped on a rake? That my own kid put right in front of me when I wasn't looking. Do we have any guesses of what Aaron, I'll the let word you go first. Means. What do you think it means? I think it's like attractive, I think, or something like that. Okay. Todd, what's your guess? Like she is Riz. She's real Riz or something like that. <laughs> Todd, what do you think it means? I, I don't know. That Make is, a guess. Take a guess. It's weird. I'm I'm gonna say dope. That's another word for dope. Okay, you and Aaron are kind of close. It's it's as charming or seducing. Okay. So you said no one's ever described you with having riz. Yes. <laughs> so like in a sentence would be, I'm about to riz up Sarah. Do you know if she has a boyfriend? What's the root of this? Where does it yeah, come from? What, yeah, what, what's riz short for? I don't. I have no idea. Okay. I didn't right. go, I didn't deep, 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 whoa, deep, deep dive into that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So I'm not a total failure as a parent then? Okay, go ahead. No, you're just not charming or seducing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Number two is, this one, I'm hoping that you guys know, this one is no cap. For real. Why is my camera going out of focus? I for like, real. I like that guess for real. I like for real. Okay, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Like Same. for real? Yeah. <clears throat> that is correct. Oh, great. Good job. It is no lie or for real. So in a sentence, it would be like, Christmas is the best time of the year. No cap. No cap, but where did that expression come from? I, I don't know. Like for real, it's an, it, when we created that as a slang in our generation, it's easy to see where we got that from. Is that for real? I mean, the term is self-explanatory. What does for cap mean? I don't know. <laughs> where does be, it come from? I don't know. That's, I'll do that next time. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Number three is dank. Oh, that is dope. That's dope. Yeah, dank memes, isn't yeah. that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that what you guys think it means? I'll yep. go with you guys then. Okay. Yeah, it means high quality. So I wrote down like the Steve Day show is dank. High quality. Would you rather be dank or high quality? <laughs> well, the root, I mean, this is take like reversing the original meaning. Yeah, because I mean, dank's dank not is a dark compliment. And damp and yes. yeah, so how did this happen? Yes, it's not I've a heard compliment. of this one though. Yeah. No cap, bro. No need to riz up the Steve Day show. We already dank. I just hated that so much. Oh, I've never hated a segment more than this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, God. Aaron, you said that with all <laughs> the enthusiasm of a wooden spoon. That was great. The last one I have for you guys is Chugi. Never heard of it. Chugi? Chugi. Chugi. Um, I'm going to guess odd, weird, strange. I'm going to guess that's what it means. Aaron, what's your guess? Um, Awkward. Yeah. That's another way. That's, are, another, that's a synonym that, for what I said, yeah. Is that something that like the Wookiees do or something? Chugi? Yeah. In Star Wars? Tastes bad? We're going to get our that? Chugi on tonight? <laughs> does no, that, 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 is, that is something that Kathleen Kennedy Townsend does now in Star Wars. Okay. Yes. Lots of Chugi, in <laughs> fact. Years worth. Yes. So Chugi is the opposite of trendy, and it's actually described as usually a millennial. that's what it is so like a sent an example sentence would be socks with sandals are chuggy have you ever heard anybody in your peer group use any of these terms i i use i've used no cap before in my language i use like t like what's the t i use that that. a lot i use like bet like that sounds that's just okay like all right bet sounds good i use that all the time like riz is newer like I'm still kind of I had never heard of I had never heard dank before or chuggy. I never dank or chuggy. Gen Z kids, nothing, nothing, nothing. They use none of these terms. None. So clearly, then you have raised your children if they properly. Did, they would be punished accordingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Todd, I gotta say, Todd is on fleek right now. Ooh, that's nice. a good one. That's no, an oldie no, buddy goodie. I've heard that one. I heard that from you guys. See, on fleek could be described lit, as chuggy on though. On fleek is a little chuggy for me. I heard from you guys growing up. I heard, I heard lit. I heard on fleek. Yeah. Okay, so I heard a couple of those. I've not heard. You guys, you guys never said chuggy. Well, yeah. On cap. <laughs> It's Never not heard on cap. It's no cap. Or no cap. Okay. Like, I would have been confused. I'd been like, what's the dog doing wrong? That's the name of our dog. Cap. Cap is missing. Oh, no. you have been like, no cap. I'm like, get him outside. You know? I mean, I don't... That was chuggy. That was so... That made you sound old, Dad. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm going to be 50 this summer, so I'm getting old now. You are getting old. Yeah, you'd have to come to grips with that. Sometimes we have to like repeat things to you because you don't hear them the first time. And... Or it, I'm not there yet. It's really, I'm like, did you actually say that in my presence? I'm going to give you a chance to recant. That's really what I say. Okay, because sometimes it'll that? literally just be like, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> and you won't say anything and I'll be like, how are you, dad? And you'll be like, oh, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and you're, you're grounded, but I can't do that anymore. <laughs> All right, good to see you. Thank you, sweetie. Bye. All right. All right, let's get to some fake news or not here on the show. And there's been a lot of conversation in recent years about voter fraud, as there should be. Uh, I am someone that absolutely believes the last election was stolen. The last presidential election, I should say. Um, And we we did those shows where I laid out reasons why, I don't know how many times. And I was on the air here on Blaze TV that night, yelling and screaming about things that were beyond irregularities that didn't make any sense. And no explanation offered has convinced me otherwise in the time since. So I take the issue very seriously. We have taken the issue very seriously on this show. What I want to know, I mean, Todd, literally you were calling for the arrest of Katie Hobbs in Arizona. Correct. You know, for like three months after the mid, the last election. Yes. Might even still be doing it for all I know. I don't know. 
I mean, we, we take the issue here very seriously. My, my question, though, is this. How seriously do we take this issue as a movement, as an industry? For example, do we want solutions to this? We are one of the few shows who covered Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 Mules. It got, you know, essentially blackballed in many other places in conservative media. We covered it on this show. We talked to the, is it True the Vote, the name of the group that, to, yeah. that was in the movie? We had them on the show. Um, we take the issue very seriously. But I wonder how much of it is that we want a fantastical tale? How much of it is that we want solutions of what can be done? Case in point. Last week, over on the Ben Shapiro show, Ron DeSantis was asked what he thinks of the voter fraud issue and what the solutions are. Here was his answer. The left is going to throw the kitchen sink at any Republican. You've got to be ready for that. So in 2020, we saw these these states, largely because of the Fauci state of emergency for COVID, they used that as a pretext to change the rules, the way voting happened. They embraced this mail balloting and ballot harvesting. Uh, Of course, I think that that's wrong. But if I were the candidate, I would have gone in and combated that, either had our people doing the same ballot harvesting or been more aggressive to try to head that off in terms of some of the legal challenges. I also look at how the federal government colluded with some of the tech companies to censor information, like the Hunter Biden story. That's election interference. It's totally unfair. But I would also point out that was Donald Trump's FBI and Donald Trump's DHS that was doing that. He didn't have control over his own agencies. If somebody in my government were doing that, uh, they would have been fired the next day. And so you've got to take the responsibility as the candidate uh, to shape the battlefield in a way uh, that's going to be most advantageous to your side winning. So what I'll do, obviously in Florida, we did it very effectively. But nationally, you look to see what the rules of the game are. Yes, we ban ballot harvesting in Florida. That's what you should do. Yes, we ban Zuckerbucks in Florida. That's what you should do. However, not every state has done that. So if you're in a state like Nevada, that's a mass mail balloting state with ballot harvesting and Zuckerbucks, we will have organizations in place so that we can exploit that system. If you have it in Wisconsin, we will have organizations in place to exploit that system. I think telling people not to send in a mail ballot is a huge mistake, and it ends up reducing the pool of of prospective voters. In Florida, we focused on some of these low propensity voters in my reelection. They usually vote in presidential. They don't always vote in midterm. And we converted a lot of them to vote. Most of them chose to vote by absentee ballot through the mail. That was their choice. If we told them you could only vote on election day, some of them very well may not have voted. So understand the battlefield. It's your responsibility as a candidate to head off that. But every single candidate that we would nominate is going to face this from the left, the Democrats, and the media. And what I've told people, if you nominate me, I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to get it done, and we'll be sworn in as president on January 20th, 2025. Your thoughts on that answer before I say anything further? It's uh, I'm, I hadn't seen it uh, before. 
And I had a uh-oh initially, but after listening the context of the whole thing, I actually came up. This is why he wins. Steve, your thing about uh, when you talk about guys in general and, you, you know, the three things, you know, what's the game, what are the rules kind of thing. How do I win? Yeah. I think if you asked Ron DeSantis, and I think he's, he, he said it as much in there, like, I, I'd, I'd be going back, you've, you vote on the day of voting, no mail-in ballots whatsoever, uh, if I could be king for a day and make those rules. But he's just simply saying, these aren't the rules right now. And Steve, as you said, like the Constitution, uh, if everybody else is going to ignore it, it can't be a suicide note. This guy's, I'm going to win. And if you make rules I hate, I'm still going to be better at this game. It's your Woody Hayes thing. I've got, you know, I can be mine with yours and yours with mine sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Bear Bryant, you mean, but yeah. uh, Bear Bryant, I will find a way to beat you. You will not hang us uh, with this farce right now. And that's what you're doing. Maybe we are purer than the system, but most of the Republicans are clearly content to watch this go by. And if DeSantis can't move, then fine, he's going to say, then I've got to figure out a way within this design. It's not and it's not just talk. I'd be way more skeptical if he did not have the proof of concept and the track record he is. He's clearly been able to move people in Florida, I think, because he thinks this way. You can't trap me. You can't contain me. I will never fall into this situation where somehow I feel cornered because you're leveraging a thought of the way things are supposed to be when you never intend to play by those same rules. So I think he's I think this is a reason why he wins. So that was your takeaway. Okay, Aaron, what's yours? Two thoughts briefly here. Uh, One is. I. I When I hear these conversations, it kind of reminds me of the fighting through the courts type of thing and deferring to a judicial fiat. We're playing when we when we do that on our side, when we just, you know, hey, this courts have spoken, we're playing on their playground with their rules. I kind of get the same vibe from this as well. And it could just be that elections in this country are gone. And if that's the case, well, then that's another can of worms that we've opened up on the show a few times. It could just be that this thing is too late. However, second thought, if there is still hope, there is still time. This is the attitude that you have to have. It's a very guerrilla mindset. Right. G-U-E. Good word. Guerrilla mindset. It's the same mindset that the revolutionaries had against the British. The British thought that they were playing a rule, a game based on their rules, their terms. Hey, we all... uh, line up in the fields it's just you know our forces against your forces we roll over you we win uh god you know uh, god save the king the revolutionary said no we're not going to play that we're going to play by our rules or uh we're going to basically subvert your rules that's maybe maybe the uh, better way to put it in terms of this analogy that i'm making so if you're going to go and you're going to wage battle in a war that you don't know may be winnable or not you must subvert what the enemy thinks the rules of the game are. That's the correct attitude to have. My reaction to that clip, and thank you guys both. I thought you guys um, absolutely had uh, fascinating observations and reactions to the clip. My initial reaction to this is that is a prime example why we have a significant amount of people in our business that did not want him to run. 
when you say our business, quote unquote, conservative media. Okay. Um, this is the same conversation we were having last hour on the debt ceiling. I mean, I, you know, Julie Kelly was on here last hour saying we were one of the first shows to give her an audience. I mean, I was live on Blaze TV on election night pointing out BS and the results. It just, just, this can't be true. This is not how elections work. But here, here's the real thing that we are trying to determine right now. Politically. Now, I believe spiritually the country is gone. And it's revival or bust. I've been saying that since you guys both came to work here. I was saying that even before you guys came to work here. And the events of the last few years have only confirmed this for me. Nevertheless, my faith also compels me to occupy until he returns, to occupy until he comes, to still try to do as much good. There is no... There is no wit, great witness for the gospel to be seen as passive in the face of evil. It doesn't add any credibility to the gospel on any level at all. To just decide to check out when a great confrontation of good versus evil is occurring. That, that There's just never been a time in history, as my buddy Eric Metaxas has been pointing out in recent years, particularly Ger- the German church in the 1930s being our most recent example in the West, there is no time in history that the church showing passivity in the face of evil has, has, has worn well in a history book or bolstered its testimony to a fallen world. That's, not, that's just never been the case and never will. So I will keep fighting. No matter what I happen to personally think the odds of success are, because I'm not given any other option. My worldview begins with the fact that a man was dead now he's alive and he's God. Therefore, the option that I will quit until I'm dead um, just isn't one. That's just not an option. So we'll keep fighting, even when we feel pessimistic. But let's set all that aside for a second. Because within this audience, even this audience, there's going to be people of varying spiritual beliefs. You might be a Christian and not just not agree that it's as far gone as I do. You might not be a Christian at all. But if you're tuned into this show or shows like it, you have at least some interest in civic affairs, right? Yes. Some form of interest in, in, in some form of righteous moral outcome in said civic affairs. Some form of just, some sense of justice, fairness. Fair? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're certainly not doing this because it's fun. So let's, let's stay on that level for a minute. Within, within that box, there is an argument taking place, and it's not actually a, a vocal or visible one. Like, it's not an argument that people are owning up to. It's not like, you know, you know NatCon, BoomerCon, social conservative, libertarian. It's not, it's not an article that people, or it's not an argument that people are saying, I, I am proud to be on this side of it or proud to be on that side of it. But it is, the, it is the main argument that is taking place on the right. The main one. Are we here 
because we are pursuing righteous outcomes? Or do we just want to vent and or a show? That's the, that's the core debate. That's it right there. And within those two camps, people have varying belief systems. On the worldview, non-communist worldview spectrum, they'd, they'd occupy a lot of different slots. But in the end, you know, a tree by its fruit. See, my understanding and reading of history is we're either going to use whatever freedom we have in any given era for righteous outcomes or we all know what's in the or, right? We just can't say it out loud. We all know what's in the or. We've all read a history book. It's happened in this country before. We all know what's in the or. Widespread persecution, domestic unrest. Those are your only two options. But there is this movement on the right, and some of it's grifters, but not all of it is. Like the woman, Jenny, who emailed me in the first hour, I don't believe she's a grifter. I think she truly loves and cares about the country. But there's this idea that just venting alone is enough. No discernible action, no definable action is needed. It's our, I don't know, you know, when, we, when the left does it, it's called virtue signaling. Here's my Ukraine flag. You know, here's my mask. I don't know what we call it on the right. Losing. It, well, it, it, that is what it is. But that's essentially what it is. Give me a talking point. And yeah, there are some people on our side that are just absolute grifters. Most of the people in our audiences, though, can't afford to be grifters. Yet, even when they go to work, I just want a talking point. I just want to nail that guy at the water cooler. I just, you know, I want to hammer aunt so-and-so on my Facebook page. And it, it, it's, it's like demonstrably righteous outcomes are either unachievable or inconceivable. See, to me, it's either righteous outcomes or raise the black flag because that's the lesson of history, folks. And if you believe, and if you've heard nothing else, I'm going to say this entire episode, hear that. The lesson of history is righteous, peaceable outcomes or raise the black flag. There is no in between. And I think we've been lulled into this sense that there can be an in-between. We've got enough prosperity and stuff that there can be an in-between. No, there can't. And the people that are, that are castrating your sons are letting you know there will not be an in-between. Target is letting you know with onesies for chest-binding daughters. There will be no in-between. And there never was. So either there will be peaceable but aggressive righteous outcomes or we're going to raise the black flag. So like on the voter fraud issue. We can have Mike Lindell's ninth promise to tell us to, and I know I'm not supposed to say this. I don't care. Mike Lindell can give us his ninth promise to finally unravel the Dominion flowchart. 
Or you can have what Ron DeSantis laid out. One will lead to a righteous outcome. The other is just a vent. It's a lament. It's a nothing. Or it'll get your ass sued. And, and I think that a lot of people in our business don't want righteous outcomes. Either they themselves think that the system is too far gone and they don't want to say that they're for raising the black flag because there's no way to get distributed if you say that. And I, I respect that on some level. Or they're just grifters. But that is really the core debate on the right. And where this guy's candidacy is such a problem for so many people is it calls BS on all of that. He's doing stuff that we've wanted, we've said we've wanted people to do forever. The problem is forever we've been voting for people like Kevin McCarthy. A lot of us think the best we can do is the guy with the comb, comb over man bun and we hop on the back of his 78 Harley. Still listen to Boston's first album. We can't do any better than that. Couldn't possibly consummate this thing, have a family, you know, a future, a legacy. We're just going to vent. Just going to hang out. And I think that is the core debate. And that and Trump and DeSantis represent these two camps. One guy is a, is a symbol of my grievance. As if grievance in and of itself is an end. It's nothing. It's a tantrum unless it leads to something righteous. The other guy is just a cold-blooded, outcome-based dude. Well, you know, I need, I need, I need, give me some more of the venting. And, and, I, and I think that, that's the, that's the best answer on the election fraud issue I've heard in three years. You know Why? Because it's the only answer on the election fraud issue I've heard in three years. Wasn't too long ago you weren't sure if you could get toilet paper at the store. Wasn't too long ago you wasn't sure you could get baby formula at the store. Who knows, may not be too far from now when you're not going to be sure you can get the next thing at the store. Like maybe you can't afford a carton of eggs right now. That's why you want to make sure you're prepared. If it seems like this thing is hanging by a very thin thread, because it kind of is. So make sure you're ready with our friends at My Patriot Supply. They are America's leading preparedness company. Get their three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full 2,000-plus calories per day that you need. And it stays fresh for over 20 years with proper storage. Free delivery, too. Free delivery, too. Can't beat it. $200 off each kit that you buy, not your total bill, but each kit you buy when you go to preparewithdace.com. D-E-A-C-E, preparewithdace.com. Again, head over there, preparewithdace.com. All right, let's do some Pop Culture Tuesday where we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. Yesterday, decided to binge watch the extended editions of the greatest achievement, I believe, in the history of American cinema. Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I used to do this annually. I haven't done it, I think, since 2018. 
uh, and my son and I just spent the whole day going through these and just to be immersed in that world again. But I had two reactions, well, three actually, uh, that I've never had before. Number one, man, my son knows more about this than I do now. (laughs) Used to be I had to explain things to him when he was a kid. Now he's the one explaining stuff to me that I didn't know, you know? So, I mean, his knowledge of, of this world and the intricacies of it is pretty impressive. So that's one thing that stood out to me. Here's the other two things that stood out to me from watching this trilogy. I, I found myself, and this is going to sound weird, but I, I found myself through the middle of it. Even And there are some very dark periods in this trilogy. Key characters die. There's mass casualty events. I mean, they are, they're playing for the highest of cosmic existential stakes here on Middle Earth. However, in the midst of this, the notions of what is right and what is wrong were so clearly defined at all times. I mean, the only, the only gray area that anybody ever delves into is when the house of Denethor and his sons, Baramir and Faramir, when they flirt with the idea that they could wield the ring for good. They could use the power for good. Which, of course, is a lie. It's a fallacy. And it's one of the things that the ring has done throughout the centuries to, to cause so much damage. But that instinct in and of itself is based off of a desire to do good. Even in the midst of all of the tragedy and the violence of these stories... I I found myself not wanting to leave because what was right and what was wrong was so clearly defined for the entire 12 hours. And much of the much of the debate and the challenging dialogue of the entire narrative is what to do about evil. Not calling evil good, not ignoring evil. But how far to go in confronting it? How far proactively to go in confronting it? And I realized, I mean, look at the conversation we just had. There is not an insignificant amount of people that are either consumers of this business or working in this business that just want the outrage. The idea of actually having some sort of ruthlessly efficient path or leader to get us to the outcome we want, you know, well, you're getting in the way of my emotion. None of those conversations in the entire 12 hours of these three films. None. The other thing that stood out to me was there is no way in hell they would make these movies today. The way that these were made. No way in hell. None. 
I mean, even Eowyn, when she steps out from Theodo, from King Theoden, her uncle's rule, and against his wishes goes to fight in the Battle of Gondor, and has the great scene there against the Witch King of Egmar, where she pulls off, he, he says, no man can stand against me, and he finally takes her helmet off and reveals her femininity and says, I am no man, and, and, and ends him right there. First of all, that even wouldn't get made today. But that's not the final battle of the films. In the final battle of the film at the Black Gate of Mordor, she stays behind. She's found, she's finally found true love. I wouldn't tell that story today. Would not tell that story today. I don't think there's any way in hell those movies get made like this today, 20 years later. What do you guys think? Well, I, while you were talking and that feeling like you didn't want to leave, I think there's more to that. It, that goes way deeper than probably even you know, having just experienced it. But like, what, like what does that mean for our obligations uh, to how we live our lives? Uh, because you, the, he was... Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote those books uh, based on his direct experiences as a younger man through uh, World War I and into uh, World War II and about how uh, the creep of technology. We just got done talking about that last week with uh, Tony Evans, and he said, even then, the building of the bricks... The, the, the permanence mm-hmm. of, of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, look w- what happens when th- in, uh, in terms of the, the creating of the uh, Urukai army, the artificial life army, and the ruining of the forests, uh, you know, that the Ents, you know, lament. It, it is, uh, you know, we were always called to be as Christians, we are always called to be con, uh, conservationists of a sort, just not the pagan nonsense that we've been given to in terms of uh, the global warming crowd, the earth first crowd. But we, we have disconnected ourselves from our roots as true people of the earth. This is largely, again, it's the same thing as Americans. We're we're just living in these borders here, but like, does it, does it mean anything? Are we connected to its roots as people on how we are truly supposed to live? And this is, there's a uh, Wyoming Catholic college, which is a very new college. I don't even think it's 20 years old yet, but they've endeavored to do this as part of their curriculum, a Catholic liberal arts program. Part of it is, uh, hiking, camping, horseback riding, a, a, a way to connect once again a, as true people of the earth. And, I, and that's an undeniable theme in uh, the, t- the Tolkien stories. We become too soft. We become too sedentary. We have put our lives on autopilot where the con- look at the, con- I, the conveniences of just the, just the grocery store. 
think think about i don't think we do think about it at all like what human history had no ability to connect to that and now we, we have gotten so comfortable there's that theme again with the, the lives that we have now that we are actually becoming less human and because we're less human we can't do what you said steve we can't clearly mm-hmm. that's right mm-hmm. and that's wrong because we, we that's what we were designed to do as children of god to know that clearly intimately and when we were cast out because that tree of knowledge and good and evil to define it for ourselves we're just doing that over and over and over again there's truly been nothing new under the sun and now we are just gorging from that tree gorging from it and so we don't even have eyes to see i don't know aaron's the only one of us who's seen it i think have you did you see the new um uh lord of the rings so within thing? rings of power within my internal group there is a wide variety of opinion some who hated it some who loved it some who think it's woke some who don't who don't who think just cast diversity does not equal wokeness necessarily so i've not watched it yet but there's a wide variety of opinion within th- within my inner circle the on this only on reason i bring that up is because i i just wonder if in between the time of that being made even let's say it was as great a, a project as as the original lord of the rings mm-hmm. have we become less human so we simply couldn't even appreciate it the stories well, that see, were there. That, that's the theory I've had for many years, Aaron, on why we're having a hard time with a good Superman movie. The idea of an altruistic hero who, rather than a, the, the perpetually damaged one like Batman, that, that one resonates better with us than the altruistic one does. What do you think? So this type of movie does not get made today. You covered the content, but the craftsmanship, if you watch the appendices that are attached mm-hmm. with some of these, mm-hmm. the level of craftsmanship you look at the chainmail armor. The movie production company actually paid people to put ring on ring on ring on ring. All of that was manufactured. The use of CGI was only used when, when practically you couldn't, you couldn't uh, shoot something um, you know, in nature. And it was blended with practical effects. Something that's just uh, really CGI is basically everything in uh, fantasy action movies very few practical effects because it's so expensive those types of things just the nuts and bolts of making the story come to life on the screen and then actually following through with that story and doing it justice those are two separate things and this movie holds up well perfectly almost in both accounts that too is a testament actually i think just the craftsmanship alone is a testament to how things have quickly fallen in just in just 20 years. Because I think it's actually analogous to we don't get the nuts and bolts of our 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 life right today, mm-hmm. much less the deeper things, the story, what we stand for. You you read some of the stories we just commemorated yesterday on Memorial Day about those who have given their all for this country. You read some of those stories, and it puts us to shame. Because a lot of these men were men who stood for something. Their very existence, a confrontation of the apathy and nihilism that is so pervasive in all corners of this country today. I think that's the same conversation we're having right here. It's not just an entertainment movie. 
the messages that are portrayed the con- through the content of the story, and then the craftsmanship, the pride and the craftsmanship of bringing that story to life in a way that it had not and will not ever be again. Those are confrontations of both us on a societal level and us on an individual level. And, um, you know, it just, it, going back to kind of less, less deep things, uh, it holds up incredibly well. Mm-hmm. The sound, I don't know if you had it cranked. I can't believe how good the CGI this, is from this, 20 years ago. Well, it's better than, it's, in some cases, it's better than what we're watching right now. Yeah, well, yes, but it's because they blended them with, with practical effects, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the sound mixing is just incredible. The bass is uh, incredible. The score is incredible. That, I mean, I could watch, watch. I could just listen to that movie with my eyes closed. Or those movies, I should say. Hmm. Are we, are we suggesting here that whenever a culture rejects truth, it will also reject beauty? And whenever a culture rejects beauty, it will also reject truth. That essentially, now, beauty can be subjective, given different eras, okay? But the idea of there being an ideal of beauty to strive for, to emulate, kind of coincides with... Yeah, with the go promotion on any, of truth. Go on around, almost right? any public university campus in this country post, and we'll look at the buildings built post-1960, post-1970. Mm. The brutalist architecture. There's no standard of, of subjective beauty that says, hey, that's beautiful. No, it's ugly. It's born out of the ideologies taught on those campuses. Utilitarian in, Correct. in nature. What and this think? is why we can't discern or get passionate about the fight of good versus evil. This is that Wyoming Catholic College. They talk about the three uh, transcendentals. This is why I talk about them all: the, the good, the true, and the beautiful. And the beautiful. This yeah. isn't like just random wordsmithing. It all goes together. Hmm. If those movies had never been released and were made exactly the way they are right now, and were put in theaters today. How would they perform, do you think? I don't want to know the answer to that question. Hmm. I really don't. Like, like, how many Gen Zers do you think would go see them? Hmm. Just because, and maybe they would, but how many would be able to absorb them? You know what I'm saying? To... to to appreciate there's no dumbing down of dialogue or anything i mean the assumption is you're gonna have to be smart enough to follow the movie or in my case i wasn't so i had to go see them all a few times to completely get a full grasp on what was going on i i think we can't think about that in a vacuum i think this thing would be hit like all other things are by all of the uh, woke critics that would define the terms of what you're allowed to like and not like and appreciate and not appreciate and so therefore you wouldn't have a viewing public coming in without a preconceived notion mm-hmm. that you know a hit would be put on these movies for being old and white and inherently racist and yada 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 and so I don't think you could see it with eyes to see hmm. and given we're talking about stories that are what 60 years old 70 years old mm-hmm. 
that tells you how much ground has been lost in the last couple mm-hmm. of generations. John three seventeen. 